You are listening to the newest podcast from ourcommunitynow.com. I am your host, Josh Hammerling, and this is The Paranormal Pass. I'm alongside my partner in crime, Dalton Van Hooser. And he's got a few things he needs to say before we get started. Be sure to subscribe to our channel, uh, ring the bell to get notified of our latest videos. You have the option to be notified for occasional videos or all of them. If you are on your phone, make sure to you go into your settings and switch on notifications. Woo! So finally, I get to do a podcast that I actually shine in. This is what I'm after. I love the paranormal. I love the weird and all the good yes, things. The don't, mysterious. Don't you? It oh, is. Absolutely. So for those of you who have never met us before, uh, you've obviously never seen me. Uh, <laughs> you don't show up on anything. <laughs> no, not at all. But uh, for those of you who don't know, I have a... The whole reason I got into radio in the first place was to be like Art Bell. You know Art Bell. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And that was my whole drive. And R.I.P. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, actually, when George Norrie took over, it just wasn't the same. You know, he was just trying to sell books. Yeah. That's it. But <laughs> I have a degree in anthropology. I've always wanted to find Bigfoot. I look for UFOs in the sky everywhere I go. I look for ghosts over my shoulder. I, you know, I love, live, and breathe the paranormal. I probably read more of that news than anything else. So Absolutely. for all of you who don't know, that's my background. It's the whole reason I wanted to get started in this. And here we are. The people at Panda decided that I can do this. So what got you interested in the paranormal? I love horror. Ooh. That is my realm. Like movies, books? I do. I love it all. Uh, audio books, audio dramas are like the new thing now. Really, tackling that, um, and so I love, I love all of that. But I also love to dive into that for the real. Yeah, the, absolutely. The reality, absolutely. It just, just like we discussed, bro. Yeah. Uh, right before we jumped on here. Um, yeah. Just looking for anything that I can, like, you know, get into. Find a way to get. Yeah. Get some of them things that come out here. In absolutely. The, in the did I ever world. tell you that I did some forensic anthropology and dealt no. with the dead? Oh, oh no. It, no, that's that's a whole other podcast. Oh, no, are we talking about morgues here? Oh, we're talking about um, recoveries, is what it was, you know, in cooperation with police departments and boiling bones and oh, all kinds like, of stuff. That sounds like a lot of fun. Analyzing them. Oh, it was horrible. Are you kidding? <laughs> that's the reason I went into cultural anthropology. I was like, I'm not going to deal with dead people. I'm going to start looking for Bigfoot. <laughs> You know? Yeah, absolutely. It made a lot more sense. So so you got into it for horror. I did, uh, yes. Like a macabre desire to see those things, you know, uh, macabre yeah. hobbies. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so we have, as I'm sure as everyone has been reading the news lately, the biggest thing we have to fear isn't actually something that's paranormal in nature, but really just as scary. And that's the spread of the coronavirus. Yes. Which terrifies me to no end. Popped up in uh, China. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wuhan, China. Yes. Which, did you know Wuhan, China, at one point, and probably still does, holds or held the largest bioweapon research facility that was almost in that part of the world? I did not know yes, that. Yes, Wuhan was the is also the epicenter of the release. So is it coincidence, number one? that there's a bioweapons research facility there, and that's where it ends up escaping, maybe? But somebody gets infected, and suddenly it moves out. Now we've got this virus that uh, I think the current infection toll is over 8,000, which dwarfs the SARS outbreak of 2015. There was 180 dead, I want to say now, which I'm not sure what the infection or the death rate is, but it's bad. Yes, it's not. It's certainly not good. 
and uh, they've no, been trying no, to, they never <laughs> are <laughs> <laughs> trying to evacuate um, as many people as they can um, from the uh, from the area. I know that they recently had a flight of uh, U.S. citizens flying out from from there, and I think they ended up landing in in uh, Alaska somewhere because uh, Canada last minute changed their mind, didn't want them landing there. Yeah. Um, so if you were an American citizen, a citizen and a diplomat, um, even just American citizens, the U.S. offers to get you out of situations. It is one of the beauties of being an American citizen besides all of the other wonderful freedoms that we enjoy. But everyone that was a diplomat in Wuhan was on the airplane that you're talking about. And they were supposed to, they had to stop in Anchorage and they were supposed to go to Canada and then to California. But Canada was like, <laughs> No. No, we're good. No. So, yeah, they've actually been quarantined at a specialized facility in California that is designed specifically to deal with people like this, which the CDC has plans in place, you know. But How'd you like to be that pilot that has to fly in and out of there? You don't have a choice. Yeah. I mean, you're going to end up getting quarantined no matter where you're going. Yeah. Are you also in a full biohazard suit? I mean, how prepared are you? you I've got to imagine that they probably have them in their own respirator their own oxygen supply, full protection, because you have to treat these people like they are infected, whether they are or not. And it takes two weeks before you actually show symptoms. So you are asymptomatic for two weeks. But during that time, apparently you can spread the infection simply through the classic, you know, whatever gets in your mucous membranes or eyes, which is why you shouldn't touch your eyes or nose and wear a mask and it's true. All yes. of that. Yes, all, all the, all the fomite business. If you're touching anything, yeah. and you go to your face. Oh. That's how it goes. You, you know, mm. and, and this is this is where, okay, if anybody has ever seen the show Community, there is mm. a particular individual on in that show. He just parallels movies mm-hmm. with life, with his life. It's just everything runs parallel. He's everything recalls. This is the way I live. I parallel life with the movies that I've seen. And the first movie that I thought of with this is Contagion. Because it almost runs exactly parallel right. with what is happening. Which right was now. a movie when I saw it back. That's like a 90s movie, isn't it? It it's was, pretty old it was actually 2011. Was it? 2011. Oh, that's right. Because I was thinking uh, there was another movie called Outbreak. Outbreak, yes. 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 That was the one in the 90s. But can, Dustin yeah. Hoffman, I believe, yeah. Which terrified me. That was yes. the first movie where I, I, they dealt with you know a mass pa- pandemic. Pa- pandemic, yes. Pandemic yeah, yeah. making its way into the world and people dying. And then when Outbreak happened... That one really freaked me out. You yeah, know what I, mean? I will never forget the uh, movie theater scene in that movie because you're sitting in the movie theater watching this movie, and somebody is infected in the movie theater, and he coughs, oh, and it follows right. the particles <laughs> through as everybody's laughing, and it just goes into everybody's. That's horrible. In it. Yeah, wasn't that caused by a bat in the movie too? I think it was a monkey. A monkey. Uh, it was yes. It was a little. Uh, I forgot the name of that kind of monkey, but yeah, he was he was biting people and scratching people. That's horrible. Contagion was a bat pig virus that had somehow combined. Is that a coincidence that they make a movie a couple years ago that has the bat as the form of transmission? I don't know. Conspiracies. It makes me wonder. (laughs) I really get weird about that kind of stuff. But for those of you who don't know, a lot of people suspect that the virus pops up because people were eating bats yes yeah that's that's actually a very common form of transmission i think that there's some similarity in our dna somewhere down the line that makes bats very easy to transmit viruses to humans and pigs as well weird yeah but you know who you know not to be too ethnocentric here but americans tend to eat food that don't have the heads and you know 
small flying rodents. We're, we're is very what we picky. Eat. We're very, very picky. much so. We avoid the insects too. Yeah, all together. Yeah. Which yeah. you know are pretty nutritious. Another, another yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah, no, they're, they're oh, great. Actually they're great. Pre- they're a great protein source. They are. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Pound by pound. But there was a celebrity there that was eating bat soup and telling people they should enjoy bat soup, which is absolutely terrible. On every level. It just sounds gross to me. Let's make a bat soup. And you see the little head and the little teeth coming at you. And it looks like something out of Halloween. But yet. Yeah, I don't, I, don't need the, I don't need the Temple of Doom dining no, table No, no, yes. At all. No, no, no. no, 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 no. The, but, the little eyeball bobs up in there. That bobs right. Up in but that's the official cause that they're saying. I, I have a tendency to lean towards it might be something a little more conspiracy driven. Like the biomedical research facility. But. So we have bats to think and people eating bats. So maybe we should just review what we eat, you know, before we go that route. So, so which one, which one is scarier in this scenario? Is it the accidental uh, shooting yourself in the foot um, equivalent of releasing a, a uh, bioweapon into the community? Or you just happen to eat the wrong thing and you become patient zero? They're both equally scary. But I, let me say that again. I think the one that where you accidentally shoot your foot is far more scary because... If it's an engineered bioweapon, it means they've made it to do things that it wouldn't normally do in nature. Such as resistance to an, a vaccine. Or cause certain organs to shut down. Mm, yes. You know, because there's been some rumors, because I, I troll the sites for all the conspiracy stuff. There are some claiming that it is causing renal failure in people, oh. which I was not aware of any Those natural are your kidneys. flu. Those are your kidneys. Yes. I'm not aware of any flu that shuts down the kidneys. But I'm also not a doctor. I'm not an epidemiologist or whatever that, that looks into these things. But Well, it's certainly not good. No. Imagine that, you know, you get the sniffles, you get a cough. Oh, there goes the kidneys. Yeah. yeah. Now no, I, no, I yeah. can't. Now I got to call up my cousin. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if one, get, if one gets out, that means another can get out, which means they probably don't have protocols in place to prevent those kind of things, which is even scarier. That's true. Yes. Yeah, they're not going to have. Um, usually, they aren't going to have the means to uh, to stop something like that. And How so do you stop of... something that is transmitted just from a simple touch, a cough, a sneeze? Apparently, can survive for days on a surface. So, what happens if somebody's working in China and Beijing who happens to be sick, who is packing up goods that are going across the U.S.? Usually, it takes ninety days, but that life finds a way to do horrible things sometimes. So a box shows up, somebody touches it and a port of entry in Los Angeles and then boom, infection. Yep. They go home two weeks. They're infecting people at the movie theater, the grocery store, kids at school. Cause they're so good at keeping themselves clean. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, public transportation, oh, uh, gas, gas stations, gas stations. Yes. I remember, um, again, I'm going to go back to it. But Gwyneth Paltrow is mm-hmm. patient zero. Yes, I remember that. And she uh, gets, I believe she gets off a bus, she rubs her hand on a, bar, on a metal bar, and then just keeps showing that metal bar. These people keep grabbing it. Oh. <laughs> and there was the uh, leader of the, the CDC, I believe, in that situation. She was leading the, uh, the attempt to contain everything. And yeah. I remember her saying, and I've held this in my head ever since I saw that movie, don't touch your face. Yeah, it, she was like, "Don't touch your face. If don't. you if you don't touch your face, you can avoid. Most you have it. a very high chance of avoiding it right. if you can never go near your face. But everybody's constantly touching your face. I, uh, yeah, touching you your rub face. your eyes, your nose, yeah. all the time, scratching. Your and nose. how often do we wash our hands? 
Yeah. Not enough. Nope. I mean, there's people that don't wash their hands after they go to the bathroom. Wash your hands after you go to the bathroom, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That is just gross. But it's true. That's why I have a hard time going to the gym because I'm like, who touched that? What do they have? Just, you know, somebody working out. You know, if they oh, used yeah. a machine. Yeah. <sighs> so I went ahead and pulled up some of the current stats on the coronavirus cases. Right now, there's officially 8,246. Some people have claimed that this number is artificially low because communist countries have a tendency to only release the number that they've tested. Now, this is just the number of people they tested. They ran out of testing kits, according to some. So there could, the number could be as high as 60,000, which is an, an unreal number. But there's 8,246 8, current cases. 170 deaths based on that infection rate, which every disease has an infection rate. Did you know that when they rate it? Of um, those contaminated and those to die? It's called the transmission rate. Oh, okay. So do you rem are you familiar with the Spanish flu? Yes. Right after World War I, it killed something like a third of the world's population. It was just unreal. Yeah. And it had a uh, transmission rate of 18 to 20. That means for every 100 people that were infected, 18 to 20. I think that that's right. I'm also not an epidemiologist, so <laughs> don't go. But the transmission rate estimated for the new coronavirus is 2.0 to 3.1. So uh, I take that back. You will have two to three newly infected from one case. So if the Spanish flu, if one person had it, 18 people were going to get it, which is why it just decimated young people in the 30s. It didn't really hurt the young or old, but it killed most of the people who were in the trenches of World War I, and they brought it home, and it was just horrible. But this has an infection rate of 2.0 to 3.1 for now, because, again, these are just numbers that are being released by the Chinese government, and they have a fantastic history of being completely honest with us about everything. Oh, yeah. They're, they're just an open Fantastic. Book. Absolutely. And right now it has a 2% fatality rate. So for every 100 people that get it, two usually die, which who knows how long that's going to be that low. What's the, what was the Spanish flu's rate, fatality rate? Oh, it was ridiculous here. We've got good old Google here. Let's ask. <laughs> Spanish? Flu fatality rate. 20%. Holy crap. Well, that, is, that is insane. That's scary. Yeah. Because you think of the one-third of the world's population, so that... Well, of the people that got sick, math, 20 of, you know, of 100 people who got sick, 20 of them died. That's insane. That is insane. That's, yeah. you got to remember, this is also a time when there was no such thing really as antibiotics. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. So if you got it, it was, you know, try to get a hold of some orange juice and cross your fingers. Hope you don't die. Yeah. Usually it's also affecting people who have uh, pre-existing conditions. So the elderly, the very young, somebody's already got problems. I mean, anybody that might be immunocompromised or in immunosuppressing drugs, if they were to be around that, it's almost a guarantee. Yeah. Which is terrifying in itself. The incubation period is estimated at 2 to 14 days. That two-week period is what really freaks me out. Yeah, because that, that's when it, uh, and again, going back to Contagion, Gwyneth Paltrow, same thing. She had about two weeks, I think, mm -hmm. before she started showing symptoms. And that's true of a lot of viruses. A lot of people think, well, 
oh, I, I was, you know, I just now started coughing, so you're, you're fine. It's like, no, you could have been spreading that for several days and had no idea that you were doing Indeed. it. It's the truly terrifying thing of viruses. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's two weeks you're walking around and just being able to go, <clears throat> and not even knowing you're sick and giving it to someone, which just really freaks me out. You know, it, and why do all these movies, you know, it, it, this plays out like a bad sci-fi movie. Because there's all kinds of things that start to happen at home when you put cities under quarantine, all right? So it's estimated that about 55 million people are quarantined right now. For 55 million people. You have Wuhan, you've got parts of Beijing, you've got other surrounding cities inside of there. They've shut down almost all public transportation that we know of. They're not allowing people to leave. Um, they t- they've shut down all tourist travel. British Airways has said that they're not allowing flights in. In fact, I think the president of the United States should stop all international travel in and out of China until this ends, because this is the kind of thing that, if it spreads to the U.S., how long do you think it's going to be before people freak out and buy all the food off the shelves at the store? Because already in Wuhan, they're saying that food is disappearing from the shelves. So we've got probably... 30 days before people start freaking out because they're going to get hungry. And if you don't have a way to feed your baby or yourself, you're going to start doing weird things. You're going to try to leave. You're going to try to take food. You're going to go after each other. I mean, you have the disaster, you have true apocalyptic disaster on the horizon if they don't start feeding people or they let them starve and die. Because you've got to remember, you're dealing with a communist country here. So what happens in the U.S. if it spreads here? How much food do you have in your pantry? Not enough. How many people live in apartments, rely on public water, rely on the grocery store to fill their shelves every week? Think about that. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't take long for society to start to collapse no. in on itself. The only reason it works is because we agree to not do those things. Yes. And when you are put into desperation mode... I've got to feed my babies. Yep. All of that goes out the window. Absolutely. You don't know what you're willing to do until you're put in that situation. And uh, you've got, I believe it was Jude Law's character, which is the true vision to what we're going, what we could experience mm-hmm. with the virus like this. Is that we have the introduction of social media with a virus, with a viral outbreak. Yes, and it's not helpful. It's terrifying. The Chinese government has clamped down onto that to the point where they've threatened to arrest you if you start social media posting about the coronavirus. Which they could just shut down sounds, the internet over there. Yeah, which which sounds extreme, but there's a reason for it, and there there are numerous conspiracies that have been released on social media already uh, in regards to this virus. Uh, there, um, they already started trying to uh, start a panic in Australia, um, in uh, Sydney, saying that there was food contaminated with it. Ooh, um, that oh uh, that yeah, because yes. now you got the weirdos starting to come out of the woodwork to yep. say that oh yeah, there's always the weirdo factor. Yep, and uh, and Jude Law's big thing in, yeah. in Contagion was that he pretended to get infected by the virus, and then found that oh, if th- this little thing that's in this particular kind of medicine will cure you, and so it made everybody flood the pharmacies and buy this place out, and and then it ends up turning out that the pharmaceutical company that owns that particular drug paid him to do that so that they would get... That's right. Uh, yes. And so the, it, it can get... It can spiral out of control. Right. You had other conspiracies involving uh, photos of the of a Wuhan market 
but that was actually taken like the Philippines like three years ago yeah. or something like that. You've got uh, the fake death projections of 11 million people. Obviously kind of way creepy. off. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, for we, it's, it's almost believable that somebody would start to look at it and go, oh my God, this thing is horrible. Yes. Yeah, I mean it makes and it sense. Causes it causes social unrest. Yeah, yeah, and you've got you've Ooh. got so, you've got salt water kills the virus. Somebody's spreading that one around. Oh my just, gosh, just, that yeah. would kill you if you were to inject such a thing, or even drink it. Yeah, so you just you, so, so the cures would be worse than the disease because yeah. this is survivable for some. <laughs> for, for yeah, for for majority at the at this point at least. Oh, and, the weirdo factor. Yes, what the, else weirdo factors out there? We've got um, the U.S. is responsible. We released the bioweapon there. That was that was the top conspiracy for where it came from. Really? Yes, it was our fault. The, we did it. See my look of shock in my face. <laughs> yeah, I could see people doing it. It's it's you know it's some sort of um, conspiracy group that's like yeah we're just gonna defeat the Chinese with a disease. It's kind of weird. There we go. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and then, uh, there was a false alarm in France oh? as well, uh, where several social media posts uh, said that they were experiencing the symptoms and. Yeah, the weirdo saying I've got it and they don't. Yeah, which is which is um, also the true of uh, the United States, right? We have mm-hmm. like five or six reported cases in the United States, but who knows if any of those are actually real? I don't know how. Yeah, to well, track they tested those. for them and they did find the novel coronavirus and like I think it's through the antibodies in your body, but they were confirmed, but they've had zero spread since their uh, introduction to the United States. At least that's the official story. And they're as far east, because the West Coast makes sense, because mm-hmm. that's where people were mm-hmm. coming from China. It was as far as east as Illinois, I believe, was the one, there was one reported case in Illinois or Michigan, mm-hmm. somewhere over there into the east, which that's the scary part to me, is how far, did, how did that guy get that far? A lot of these people were travelers from Wuhan or somewhere in China. At least most of the cases, people had visited Wuhan, which is terrifying. Yeah. I mean, it... I don't even know how to approach that. So we got the weirdo factor out there. We've got the factor that not everybody's telling us the truth, which will start to spread conspiracy theories because once people get a taste of them feeling like somebody's lying to them, they'll just make crap up. And then you've got those who are freaking out, who want to start taking your food, water. Oh, this has got yeah. all of the ingredients for, a, for an apocalypse. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You, you think it takes the, uh, the loss, you know, it, it takes a Mad Max scenario where we, you know, we lose gas and water. Yeah. And it, it's one of our, it, you know, our required elements for survival at this point in our, um, in our culture and our society. But it just takes a little, 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 little cold. A little cold. So, like I mentioned earlier, I'm an anthropologist, and so one of the things that happens when stuff goes horribly wrong is you start getting these factions. You have groups of people against groups of people. So someday you might have this group of infected that lived versus the non-infected. Imagine that for a moment. In the sense that the infected feel abandoned well, in their moment of need, or that the people are still afraid. They're not going to want to go anywhere near them because you had the disease. They should be quarantined. We have to get rid of them. We'll do that by any means necessary for our fitness and survival. What are the chances of... I mean, there are, there are virtually no chances of reintroducing the virus through a person that was once infected no longer. Is there? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an epidemiologist. But imagine if... I mean, these things are... 
a virus. You know what I mean? They they like to creep and hold. Why doesn't the cold the the cold flu go away every year? It lives somewhere. It has to survive. Does it sit dormant inside of a body? I mean, are are you permanently affected? The answer is probably not. But why why do these cases just continue to grow? Why hasn't the viruses that cause the common cold just died off? I mean, there's evidence the dinosaurs had forms of bird flu. Yes. Yeah. So how does it survive millions upon millions of years? They went extinct, and yet we still have the relics of that DNA surviving. In regards to a, a, the small sample size of summer to summer, a, the, the same cold mm-hmm. moving you know, and surviving, and um, that I don't know. I know across uh, millions of years, the issue has been the permafrost. And the freezing of areas. So this uh, Siberia right now is a huge deal because it's slowly warming up. Right. And it is releasing new viruses into the world. Bacteria and all kinds of crazy things. France just found a new virus that is, it was like the largest flu virus that they'd ever found where you can, I guess, uh, most viruses you can't see under a microscope. This one's so big you can see it under a microscope. That's Gross. Yeah. And it uh, supposedly, and now I don't know how they found this out, mm. but supposedly it is uh, harmless to humans. And I think they said dogs. They, they tested yeah. it apparently on, on a couple of, <laughs> right. I don't know who decided to be the test dummy for that, but they found out somehow they're able to determine that it was harmless to humans. But there are, I mean, it's, that was something they just came mm. across. So the chances of finding something else, an ancient thing that, Managed to survive mm-hmm. or freeze and hibernate, you know, which uh, hibernation would be considered a living thing. Mm-hmm. I uh, recently discovered that there is a debate over whether or not a virus is actually technically considered alive. Yes, because it's mostly RNA. Yeah. And so it, it's almost like it's just a force, like the weather, which Creepy. is interesting to think about. Yeah. It doesn't, it's this weird, tra- it's this weird combination between. The living and a rock, but it actually affects you, which is why. And it's it reproduces so very yes. well. Yes, I mean it destroys cells. It's designed to actually inject itself into cells. I mean, you look at uh, the HIV/AIDS virus. I mean, it looks like a diamond with a tube with a needle and these legs that attach to a cell and simply injects the material. I mean, it looks like it's a. Yeah, it looks like a moonlander. Yeah, I mean, like it was a machine designed to inject DNA. And the other thing we haven't touched on is the mutation aspect, because apparently some viruses, and this is just a number I've heard, that um, they can evolve up to 5,000 times faster than any other living organism because they're so small and they adapt readily to their environment, which is why these things could, you know, once it's out there, it's out there. Yes. Yeah, and that, that's the scariest thing. The, the, the more simplistic the organism the more likely it is to, or to the, the quicker it can evolve, the quicker it can change and adapt to its environment uh, to find a way to survive. Tardigrades are the perfect example of that. You're scaring um, me, dude. This water is getting bay. weirder and weirder by the moment. <laughs> if you haven't heard of tardigrades, those yeah. are fun little creatures you From should From Star look Trek, up. but they water survive bears, in space. They do. Yeah, they dehydrate like themselves. Yes. They'll dehydrate themselves. They're the only th- organism on, on the planet that multicellular organisms that can survive in space. 
They're fun little guys. Freaking me out. This whole yeah. thing is freaking me out. I'm actually genuinely worried about this one. You know, I, they've had a lot of other outbreaks out there. But for the most part, they just weren't that bad. But for some reason, this one gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. It really does. So I've ordered a ton of food and water lately. Oh, you have? Walmart's just been showing up with pallets of stuff. It's freaking my wife out. She's like, why are you ordering all this food? And I was like, if it goes bad, trust me, you'll want to eat rehydrated mac and cheese. So, I don't know. I don't want to start mass panic, but food <laughs> disappears quick. It just, really does. You know, if you, if you don't want to start panicking yet, just keep an eye on the West Coast to see how things are going. Yeah, but it doesn't... It'll, it'll, it'll start in the most unlikely place because that's just how these things work. Nebraska. Right, middle of Wyoming, right across the border. And the thing is, is that let's say you've got this outbreak and another natural disaster hits. Or what if you got a terrorist organization that decides they want to infect somebody and just simply walk them over a border, like the southern border? What's going to stop them? How would you prove how would you even How would you even set something up to prevent that from happening? The answer is we couldn't, which terrifies me. Yeah, we have nothing in place to... No, I mean, the, open, like the southern border is wide open. We know that. I don't care what your political view is. People cross that border with impunity. Yes. Canada, What's, too. What was to stop anybody from crossing both borders with the disease, with the intent to infect others? Yeah. Nothing. 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 <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> which is terrifying. So, yeah, I have gas masks now, gloves. Yeah, I have a... Oh, wow, you're just going... You're going all out. Well, I have the, the suits. The, uh, the hazmat suits. suits? Well, I've got a... Yeah. <laughs> so the wife's kind of freaking out. She's like, why are you buying all this stuff? And I was, you know. You're not taking any chances. No, I've, the whole truck's ready to go. If things were to go horribly wrong, I've got a place to hide. There is an episode of X-Files. <gasps> called Which is Re my favorite show. It's so good. It's part of the reason I do this. <laughs> it was called Revenge of the... Um, Macrophages or whatever. It's the oh, it's the oh. fancy science term for cockroach, and I forgot what it was. Oh yes, but the, it was the whole point of the episode was that a mass panic is started in this small town because they believe that the, there are killer cockroaches that are out to kill everybody. I remember that episode. It, it was so good because it was the one time that Scully was right the entire time. God. She had an explanation for everything that happened, and it ended up that was the case, and the entire city lost it for no good reason. God, I love that show. I know it's. So I love good. Scully too. But it doesn't take it doesn't take much. No, it doesn't take much to to send people for a panic. Because now you correct me yeah, if I'm panic. wrong. But, but your 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 goal with the collection of these things mm. is not to protect yourself from the virus necessarily. It's to protect yourself from the collapse of society. It's both. Okay. Because one, I don't want to get infected. Well, of course. Because I have to protect myself. The second is that the biggest. The most dangerous animal and thing that is in this world is the human being. Yes. I learned that in anthropology. I learned that with law enforcement. I learned that camping. You know, the most dangerous thing, you know, besides a grizzly bear, if they really decide to take you, they, they will. <laughs> but humans are the most dangerous thing that you will ever run into. What is that great line from Men in Black? A person is smart, but people, people are, are dumb, panicky. Yeah. And stupid, yes. <laughs> and they will. You know what I mean? They... Once hysteria hits, it becomes just that. It becomes a frenzied panic society. And when you have a frenzied panic society, people do stupid things. Society begins to fall completely apart. The norms of culture go away, period. We've seen that in um, any time that there's been uh, 
a mass killing uh, genocides. You see that. You see this factionalization of people. You see these groups getting together. You see groups pitting against one another. each other. You see groups taking from other groups. You see groups killing other groups because they, they, there's some sort of perceived threat. And if there's a perceived threat, everything we under, as we understand it goes away. So if you're not ready to protect yourself, the police won't be there. It's like that scene from World War Z when Brad Pitt and the big RV, they park, they run into the store, they're stealing something, they see the cop, and the cop looks at him, and they think they're going to get arrested, and, and he walks right past him and grabs water off the shelf. Yeah, because at the end of the day, they're, they're you know, they just... Cops are going to think... And the only, you know, thing about the military, the government will only be there, and I've done drills with FEMA and stuff like that, so I have got a bit of an insight on the things that they like to do. They are there for the continuity of government because that is what holds society together from their perspective. So they will only do things to protect the government. First thing they're going to do is they take over water, period. The second is that anything that is a food store, they're going to take over. All of the streets, highways, and stuff like that, they will then begin to control. The next thing they're going to go after is most likely uh, cell phone towers, and I wouldn't be surprised if with the turn of a button they can turn the Internet off and on when they want to. Because they have to control narratives and prevent panic. Which shutting down the internet in this day and age. Would itself cause panic. (laughs) People would lose their minds. And talk about a societal breakdown at that point. Oh, yeah. Because we're very First Amendment. You know, we've got the Constitution. People are very freedom-loving, especially in Colorado and Texas. You name it. When that goes away, I mean, that would also be the first sign that things are breaking down. Yep. You know, and then you've got to look for those signs, you know. Which they'll be there. God, this sounds horrible. The more I talk about this, the more I get paranoid. <laughs> but that's why we're here. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is we're to the, freak ourselves out to the... Yeah. To the point of, um, well, we're not trying to cause mass panic. Please don't sue us over that. <laughs> we're just saying that things can go wrong, so you should really get ready. <laughs> but seriously. See, get ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this is kind of a fun one. I'm, I'm really excited to doing this more as we move forward. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll cover everything from UFOs, ghosts, it's weird cool. things that we like. Even kind of wacky news. I like wacky news. I love Bigfoot stuff. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there there was um, something I was listening to the other day that was talking about there's some pretty legit cases of, of the Yeti that we could get into. Absolutely. Mm. Like, again, I'm a North... I, I'm, a, I'm an anthropologist. I believe that it's some sort of North American primate that looks very human. And if you were to see them, how would you know that they're not a human from a distance? They hide in plain sight because they look a lot like us. They just happen to be really big. And I've seen some things. I have lived on an Indian reservation. And there are stories that those folks will tell you that will make you turn white. No pun intended. But it is, I mean. (laughs) And there's other stories that you're kind of like, whatever. You're just making that up. But once you see something happen in front of you, it has a tendency to change you forever. It is hard to take up um, Billy Bob down the street. You know, yeah. local junk, drunk seriously. When he was like, oh, I was down there yeah. shooting them damn hogs, and the guy came right out before. <laughs> Nine feet tall, hairy, smelled like. Sh- <laughs> well, you know how it is. Well, you know it ain't even smelled like. You- yeah. Oh, yeah, it always smells like a skunk. You know, it, it, it smelled like a skunk. Yeah. You know, try to de- I got a shot of it, but, you know, it's grainy and blurry. And it's all <laughs> what is Mitch Hedger is like, maybe Bigfoot is just blurry. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe he's right. And we'll cover more of the UFO issue. Because in Colorado, we had that, that drone scare. We did. And did I ever tell you what my thought on that was? No. I thought that the drone thing was actually the 
U.S. government testing their capabilities to fight drones. Ooh. So you test it against yourself. All right. So in so, all right. So we've kind of gone off topic, but you know we're kind of done with the coronavirus. We've covered everything that we could with that. So. so Saudi Arabia was attacked with a series of drone, drones from Hezbollah. They attacked their oil pipelines. Is the whole reason they really hate Iran right now, right? How do you stop that? In fact, they had U.S. anti-aircraft and missile defense systems around there, and the drones went right past them. Yes. Right past them. Yep. Because they couldn't detect them. Yeah, they're too, too small. small. So if you are a state-level government and you want to figure out how to protect yourself against something, you take that, whatever it is, and you test it against yourself. And you test it in one of the most sensitive areas in the whole country. What about Colorado? We have nuclear missile silos on the east side. We have the Air Force Academy. We have how many military bases? We have how many secret things here that we don't even know about? NORAD. To the north, south, we've got NORAD. And we've got some of the best radar detection systems on the planet all around us. And if you're flying these drones around and they're not being picked up by local radar at airports, they're most likely not being picked up by non-standard radar by the U.S. government. Now, the Air Force certainly has some radar detection systems that are seeing those flying Tic Tacs that you saw the Navy with. So they've got some advanced radar. But the best way to test it is to send that stuff against yourself before the enemy gets to do it. Yes. And that is a very interesting theory. I, I can't I, – I don't know how much I can indulge without getting arrested. I used to work for a government contractor – uh, that did that uh, make technology they make technology for um, the military um, and that was something that they were working on that's some that's some a, a countermeasures towards drones yes I think that I can I can I can say that but yeah yeah we're all held by some NDAs but don't worry about it that is just, just we already know something like that is happening but yeah. what how do we protect ourselves against drones even the small drones that you can buy at a local store there are terrorist groups that just slap on some c4 or something like c4 and you've got a flying bomb Yep, pack some BBs on it from your local Walmart. Yeah, yeah, that's how would you protect yourself? Yeah, that's all it takes because you don't you don't use the it's not you you don't strap an AR to them. No, you 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 make them flying explosives because then if they even if they are detected, if you don't have we don't have anything that's designed to take out that small of a target in a swarm. Right, you don't have that of a swarm of drones, and so if sure if you take out half of them, that's still. So you only got a those f- things right. And you've got a swarm of them because it's not hard to program swarms. We see those little drones at the Super Bowl put beautiful little shapes in the sky. Yep. What's the difference between saying fly into this? Yep. I thought at one point those drones were probably being used for two other reasons to detect illegal marijuana growing in Colorado because they were flying a bunch of over rural areas that rural areas that were farms, which made a lot of sense to me. The DA wants to see what's going on. They've got some way of detecting whether you're growing illegal pot and selling it. Makes a lot of sense. The other was maybe um, drug cartels that were trying to figure out ways to move drugs without people sensing it. Because how would you move drugs on a drone? But the problem is is that it would just be cost ineffective because they just can't carry that much. These are some pretty big drones. You could probably put about 30 pounds on them. And what, what was their distance? I think that was the other thing. Yeah, it's that, only like 60 miles. It's yeah. really, really short. Yeah, yeah. because I think that was one farmer's uh, point that he said that he saw a drone go from point A to point B, and he didn't understand how it could go that distance without needing, you know, some type of... Right. It's either radar-controlled, like our Predator UAVs, unmanned aerial vehicles, or somebody's got a van out there that is just 
driving alongside with him. So I'd be curious if there was a vehicle, like a chase vehicle going with it too. That is the one, people are too busy looking up and they weren't looking down to see if there was a chase vehicle. Yeah, that's possible. So I just think it was us testing it against us because that's how the Air Force thinks. And the other thing is, um, let's say you were to turn these into a mobile radar detector system. So you could set up an array of detectors on top of these drones to detect stealth aircraft. Because stealth aircraft are only stealthy from one direction. Yeah. But they're usually not from the bottom. So it's something the Russians figured out about stealth bombers and stuff like that, is that using cell phone towers, you can get an idea of what's flying overhead. So now why not make a mobile version of it? Although that would be kind of too small in scale. Probably not it. You know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But, I mean, when you've got an array of something out there, you can start doing weird stuff with it. The other yeah. thing is, what if you attached a bunch of just cell phone transmitters on them and just try to flood your local call centers? There's all kinds of nasty things you could do with it. It's true. that it, you, you, I always felt like drones were kind of that line from uh, Jurassic Park where Ian Malcolm says, like, we, we were so... We were so caught up with whether or not we, we, we could, we never stopped to think if we should. should. And, the, and it's, it, drones on the surface seem completely harmless. But just even going and buying one from Best Buy, you can do a lot of stuff with that thing. Yeah. That people Which is why the FAA wants to know what you're up to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're not set up to handle it. Yeah. They're, not, they're designed to handle large aircraft. And they, are, they, they have come out and said they are not prepared to handle drones. They're not designed to handle drones. And so they, they are, they're trying to pass bills. I think the first one was in Arizona or something where they're trying to figure out a way to, to manage this somehow with the, with all the drones. Yeah. It really makes me think that we were testing it on ourselves. Yeah. Which is kind of old news, but it's not cause it's going to pop back up. Yeah. We're going to see it again. Yep. And things are going to be different. We, with that whole new space force and things going on, I think we've got some advanced detection technology that's about to really blow our minds. And it might also show us that there's things flying in the sky that we have no idea about, and disclosure would be soon. Unless the UFOs we see are actually U.S. government projects. They're just people from the future. I've heard that one. I've heard that one. You know, uh, time tourists. Yeah, there you go. Which I think that if if, if as soon as you are seen... Mm. By the, if as soon as you're acknowledged, wouldn't that just be the, I mean, isn't that the butterfly effect? You know? What as would soon it change? You, yeah, what would it change? If somebody just happened to spot you, that changes this distraction. That means that they, now they're doing something different than they would have done 30 seconds ago. It just goes down in history as a UFO phenomenon. All right. We saw things. Yeah. Great. Yeah. We saw it since 1600. What was that? Uh, I don't know, though. But you make a good point. I mean, sound, it affects the, everything. The Sound of Thunder by uh, the Rod Berry, uh Bradbury book, I think, oh, I know. where they, 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 they're doing time touristing and there's, they go back and they, they kill dinosaurs that are just about to die. Yeah. I think it's so that they can go hunting for like a T-Rex. So the T-Rex is about to keel over and they get to shoot it before it dies. But you have to stay on this path so that you don't disturb anything. And I think the whole point is that this guy falls off the side and he, he crushes a butterfly on accident. And then they go back to the future and everything's just a completely different. Yeah. Love it. Love it. No, it's a good one. I enjoy the first one. People are going to get more of this from us. And that'll be that'll be fun. Because, you know, coronavirus scares me. We got into the drones a little bit. I enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you want to cover on the whole coronavirus thing before things get... Before I make everybody completely and totally paranoid. <laughs> I, I will say, for anybody else... Anybody else out there that is like a movie enthusiast, 
do watch Contagion. It may actually genuinely prepare you because it is very yeah. realistic to what yeah, we've been talking about. They had a lot of good writers. Um, that one, that one's a good one. Uh, you can also, if you're interested in any of the permafrost or um, that situation, these movies aren't necessarily great films, but The Thaw kind of covers that mm. concept mm. as well as mm. um, The Last Winter, I believe is what it was called. That's a Fessenden movie. Or... You know, with all the sci-fi that's been written, we should be pre- more better, better prepared. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who's but... sitting in the White House saying we need somebody to deal with this? And the answer is probably next to nobody, which is even scarier. Worldwide, <laughs> I mean, you've, you've got to remember that this kind of stuff... We're just not prepared for. Well, that was a pleasant note to end on. It's going to be the way we do it. Hit us with the bell ringing again. Yes. Uh, just to uh, remind you to uh, subscribe to our channel and uh, ring the bell to get notified of our latest videos, you have the option to be notified for occasional videos or all of them. If you are on your phone, make sure you go into your settings and switch on notifications. Ding, ding, ring that bell. We can't do this job unless you like us, and we want to keep doing this. <laughs> Please like <laughs> us. We need, I need the paycheck. I'm insecure. That's, <laughs> I have anxiety. It's really bad. It's really bad. I can't imagine why. No, well, <laughs> it's, it's the level of paranoia. <laughs> oh. So, guys, thanks for tuning in. We're going to continue this kind of talk from here on out. I can't decide what I want to do next week. It's either going to be UFOs, Bigfoot, or whatever shows up on the internet, because... I've seen so many different ones. Oh, it's fine. I love it. So. Come in all shapes and sizes. They do. Mm. They do. So, guys, thank you for listening to the Paranormal Pass. We are Colorado-based paranormal podcast brought to you by ourcommunitynow.com. Visit our website. Consume what we have. It is really good stuff. Everything you read there makes you feel good. We enjoyed having you here today. I'm Josh Hammerling, and this is Dalton Van Hooser, and watch the skies. Absolutely, and we will see you guys soon.